hanging out at Francis's and PJ's house, and we were talking, and they brought up something that I, I've noticed about myself, and it just really clicked this week. Um, Francis is saying, you know, I've told you about this before, Ross, but I'm pretty sure you have dyslexia. <laughs> and when she said that, I was like, oh, that, that kind of makes a lot of sense. I promise there's a point to what I'm saying here. Um, and I went home, and I took a test online. I mean, that's not like an official diagnosis or whatever, but the, the test was like, yeah, you probably have dyslexia. And I'm saying that because in our passage this morning, there's one name that no matter how much I practice, I can't get it right. I just, I, I, I can get it right sometimes, and half the times it, it's right and wrong. So if I start giving him a nickname, it's because I want it to be less distracting, the fact that I can't get his name right. Um, but outside of that, because man must not live on bread alone, but every word that comes out of the mouth of God, turn your Bibles to First Tim, Second Timothy chapter 1. Verse 13. If this is your first time opening up a Bible, um, like Sam said, the chapter numbers are the big numbers and the verse numbers are the small numbers. We do have a black hardcover Bible in the pew in front of you. Um, we're going to be on page 1055. 1055 if you're using one of those Bibles. Once again, that's 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 13 to 18. Hear God's word as he speaks to us now. Hold on to the pattern of sound teaching that you have heard from me in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Guard the good deposit through the Holy Spirit Spirit who lives in us. You know that all those in the providence of Asia have deserted me, including Phagellus and Hermogenes. May the Lord grant mercy to the household of Anisiphorus, because he often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chains. On the contrary, when he was in Rome, he diligently searched for me and found me. May the Lord grant that he may obtain mercy from him on that day. You know very well how much he ministered at Ephesus. This is the word of the Lord. May the word of the Lord dwell richly within us in all wisdom. Let's pray. Father, we ask that as you've spoken to us through the reading of your word, that you would humble us before you and holy God. Lord, help us to tremble at your word even in this moment. 
but we need you to work because we can hear your word, learn more about you, and grow in pride and self-righteousness. And we can condescend, be condescending towards others with our knowledge. Or we, we want to grow in humility. We want to grow in faith. We want to grow in abiding in you, Lord. Help us to abide in you this morning. Lord, we pray that you would give a specific word to those who are here that would change the trajectory of their lives. Lord, help us. Lord, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. Have you ever wondered or thought about what you would want your life to stand for? Or at the end of your life, what you'd want to tell those you've loved? Some of us here are closer to that moment than others. I think about my life and what I want my life to be about. What words I would want to be ringing in my children's ears as they grow into adulthood. That's a little bit about what's going on here in 2 Timothy. Paul is in prison. This is his last letter to his beloved son, Timothy. And in the midst of being in prison, in chains, speaking to his dearly beloved brother and disciple, he says these words. He says, hold on. He says, guard, guard the good deposit. And so that's the main goal. If you're taking notes today, that's the main goal. The main goal is that you would guard the good deposit. Guard the good deposit. Paul gives two illustrations here as to how we can guard the good deposit, or two ways to guard the good deposit. One, by embracing his chains, and two, by refreshing each other. The main goal is to guard the good deposit. Two ways, one, by embracing his chains, and two, by refreshing each other. Let's dive into the text and we'll think about Paul's words to Timothy in light of our church. Verse 13. Hold on to the pattern of sound teaching that you have heard from me in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Guard the good deposit through the Holy Spirit who lives in us. There, Paul is giving two parallel ideas. Saying semi the same thing with a different tone and flavor. He's saying, hold on and guard. I mean, some other words for that might be to persevere. The ESV uses keep instead of hold on. It's a similar idea in the Greek. The word is have the gospel. I'm trying to think about how to explain the Hold fast, follow, hang on, survive, don't give up, see to it. That the pattern of sound teaching that you have heard from Paul would continue on in your life. And then he says, guard, protect, keep, watch over, take care of, defend the good deposit that God has put in you. 
If you go a little bit above this, we see that the good deposit was deposited in Timothy. First, in the sincere faith of his grandmother, Louis, and his mother, Eunice. And now has been given to Timothy. I just want to pause for a second and commend the parents here. I didn't grow up in a Christian household. I didn't grow up hearing about the good news of Jesus. And I'm so thankful for a church family here who regularly reminds their children of the goodness of Christ and how God had died, God became man and took on flesh for their sake and for our sake. And children, if you're listening this morning, children, if you can look up for a second, I want you to take a moment and thank your parents today. Thank them, thank God that you get the privilege of hearing the gospel so regularly that it becomes normal to you. That's such a blessed privilege that you have. I wish I had that privilege of parents who would love me and know the gospel, to to speak to me so regularly about the goodness of Christ. Going back to BBC here, um, so God's call to Timothy and God's call to us this morning is that we would hold on and guard the gospel. And I want to take a moment to think about what the gospel is. Uh, the gospel, there's, there's five or four hooks. There's, there's a ton of different ways to, to explain the gospel. There's the Roman road where you walk through the Romans and you talk about the gospel. Um, I used to use like this hand bracelet type thing where it has like different colors. And I used to give them out and explain what each color meant as a way of explaining the gospel. Um, there's, there's just a, a bunch of different ways. But one of the ways I use to explain the good deposit or the gospel is, um, I don't know, I'm sure you guys have heard of this, but it's God, man, Christ response. Um, I want to take a moment and think about the gospel and the good deposit as lo- in light of God telling us to hold on to the good deposit. So the, the good deposit, the pattern of sound teaching is the gospel And the gospel starts with God. God is the gospel. God is the creator. God is the judge. God is the only holy one. And so that's God. Now who are we? We are sinful men. We have we are the creator and yet we try to be the king in our own lives. And we have sinned against the holy God. And then there's Christ. So God is holy. Men are sinful and in need of a savior. And Christ is that savior. Christ is the only holy one. God himself. Takes on flesh. Who is born in a manger. Where animals live. The king of the universe. Humbles himself. God himself takes on flesh. And he lives a life of mercy. He heals. He blesses. He teaches. He performs miracles. He rebukes. And in every step of the way, Christ obeyed the Father. 
Christ was the only holy one. And yet Christ was subjected to the cross. As I've been thinking about the gospel this week, I couldn't stop but think about the word unjust. I was thinking about the events of Christ's life and his righteousness and his holiness. And as I was reading about his crucifixion, I just thought, how unfair is that? That the king of the universe would take on flesh and now heal and love so perfectly, and yet there would be a trial, and in the trial they would choose to release Barabbas, a murderer, instead of Jesus. And they would consider him guilty, though he has done nothing wrong. And he would then be whipped, beaten. They would put a crown of thorns on his head. They would cover his eyes and say, hey, you've prophesied before. Who beat you? Who hit you? And in all that, I just think unjust. It's not fair, that's not right. And then he would, with his broken body and, and battered body, carry his own cross, miles outside of Jerusalem, where he would hang lifeless. And not only was it physical and emotional and psychological pain that Christ suffered on the way to the cross, but he would suffer the full wrath of God. It would be, it'd grow dark. It'd, there'd be darkness all over the land for three hours, symbolizing and representing the fact that Christ takes on the full wrath of God. I just think, how's that right? How's that fair? God, how are you just in that the only righteous one would take on sin and death? And it's, it's right and fair because we've sinned against the Holy God. And Christ was taking on our wrath and our punishment. He bore our pain and our sickness. And so God, the gospel, the good deposit is that God is righteous and just, and yet we are sinful, and yet Christ is our perpetuation. Christ is our mercy seat. Christ is the source of forgiveness. He is our reconciliation. He is our salvation. And he rises on the third day, conquering sin and death. And so our response is to turn from our sins and turn to Jesus. Our response is to recognize that we are a sinful people under a holy God and we need Christ. And we entrust ourselves to Christ. We pick up our cross and we follow him. That's the good deposit that Paul is speaking about here. He's saying, hey, guard that, protect that. That news that you've heard, first from your grandmother to your mother to you now from Paul, you need to guard that, you need to protect that. That's more valuable than your life. A lot of people die for a lot of things. They, they devote themselves to money. They devote themselves to comfort. They devote themselves to their family. They devote themselves to so many things. 
And Paul's saying, devote yourselves to guarding the gospel. Hold on to the gospel. Grasp the gospel. Perpetuate the gospel. How, how do you guard the gospel? I, I was thinking about how um, my, one of my previous churches in high school, how they forgot about the gospel. I remember going to the members of the church and saying, hey, do you know what the gospel is? And they didn't have an answer to that. I was thinking, how did that happen? How does it happen that a church can forget about the gospel that we're supposed to guard? Matt Chandler has this idea of how this happens. He talks about how in one generation, the gospel is guarded and protected. It's seen as the center, the foundation, the cornerstone. It's seen as the place in which all flows from. And then the next generation, if the first generation isn't fulfilling its great commission to, to centralize the gospel and teach about the centrality of the gospel, the next generation, the gospel starts to get a little fuzzier. It starts to become about the gospel and blank. Yeah, we know the gospel. That's how someone becomes a Christian. But now we got to work on fighting lust in our lives. We need to work on uh, fighting anger in our lives. We need to work on having better marriages. All good things. And yet the gospel loses its centrality. And then the generation after that. The gospel is even fuzzier. In some churches, the gospel is forgotten. It's just one way to get into the kingdom of God. And after that, let's focus on other things. The brothers and sisters, guarding the gospel includes spreading the gospel. It includes teaching and reminding one another of the gospel. One of the ways I try to practice that in my life is that whenever someone asks me for forgiveness, when my wife asks me for forgiveness, when church members and church family ask me for forgiveness, I try to always remind them of the gospel. That's just a pattern of my life that I do. I remind them that they're forgiven in Christ. Brothers and sisters, I'm sure people are sinning against you. My wife sins against me, I sin against my wife. And it's a pattern of our marriage to constantly and regularly remind each other of what Christ has done in light of our failures. That our hope is not in doing better. But our hope is in Christ who died and who rose. I just want to give a quick corporate application. Um, in verse 13, it talks about holding on to the sound pattern. The pattern of sound teaching that you have heard from Paul. Can you think of a pattern of sound teaching that we have in our church here? If you're thinking about the statement of faith, that'd be correct. Um, if you're a member of this church, you have agreed to the statement of faith. And not only have you agreed to the statement of faith, you've agreed to defend the statement of faith. To guard this pattern of sound teaching that we think is consistent with the Bible. Because the, the statement of faith can, can be just a document that you signed when you became a member. Or the statement of faith can be a pattern of teaching that you regularly go back to, to worship the Lord and to have conversations with other people about. Um, oftentimes, 
if you have your membership director with, with you, someone asks you a question about the Holy Spirit, or atonement, or the church, or about Lord's Supper, or about baptism, I'll just open up the statement of faith, and I'll read it, and I'll explain it. And that's one easy way of um, continuing to hold on to the pattern of sound teaching that we've all agreed to. Okay, so that's under the main goal of guarding the good deposit. Let's think about Paul's two illustrations here now in verse 15. Verse 15 says, You know that all those in the providence of Asia have deserted me, including Phagellus and Hermogenes. So this is the negative illustration that Paul gives. Um, he talks about how in light of him holding and guarding the gospel, in light of him telling Timothy to hold and guard the gospel, he's saying, hey, you know this. What do you know? Well, you know that all those in the province of Asia have deserted Paul. There's a little clue as to why they deserted Paul in verse 16. May the Lord grant mercy to the household of Anisiphorus, because he often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chains. There's a little contrast there, right? There's people who have deserted Paul, and there's people who have refreshed and gone to Paul. The ones who have deserted Paul, most likely were ashamed of his chains. The fact that currently as he's writing this letter, he's in prison, in chains, and he's saying, hey, those people who have deserted me, they didn't want this. There's possibly persecution at the time and that day. And instead of obeying Christ and confessing Christ and continuing to guard the good deposit, they said, no, I don't want that anymore. I didn't know that obeying Christ meant suffering. I didn't know that I had to go to jail for this. And so they deserted Paul and deserted Christ as they were ashamed of his chains. Now, the providence of Asia there, we need to not think about current day Asia, like China. Um, this is uh, first century Asia, like with the capital of Ephesus. It's like above the Middle East a little bit. That's what it means by the providence of Asia. Um, and we need, I mean, in one sense it's all, but I don't think we, we should take the word, word all there literally. It's not like every single person in Asia has deserted him. Paul sometimes speaks in hyperboles. Um, and there's a sense in which a lot of them has deserted him and he's feeling deserted and left and that nobody remembers him. And so that's the sentiment that Paul is trying to get through and he specifically names two people who will forever be remembered as deserters. <laughs> I was reading the Bible with uh, one of the members of the, no, that's not true. I was reading the Bible with um, one of the children of the members here and they were just talking about how difficult or how tragic that is that your name would be in the word of God as someone who has deserted Christ. I was thinking that is probably not even close to the judgment to come for those who desert Christ. And so that's a, the negative illustration. Paul's saying, hey, hold on to Christ. Keep guarding the gospel, the good deposit, even when People deserve you. He's saying, you know this. It's coming. 
I don't know if you have brothers and sisters in Christ who have deserted the faith. I'm guessing if you've lived long enough and you've been a Christian long enough that that's happened to you. And Paul in those moments, are, he's saying to you, hey, keep going, keep guarding the gospel. Realize that it's coming, that there's gonna be some here in this room, there's gonna be members of our church, there have already been members of our church who have deserted the gospel. In the face of that, continue to follow Jesus. Trust that he's better. Trust that guarding the gospel is worth it. I want to take a moment to speak to you if you're not a Christian this morning. Specifically, if you were once proclaimed to be a Christian. Maybe you've grown up in church and there's some church hurt that has now caused you to forsake Christ, to desert Paul and, and to leave Christ. And I'm just so thankful you're here. Thank you for being here this morning and being willing to hear God's word. I just speak to you for a moment and say that the, the gospel is greater than your sin. That Christ's death on the cross is greater than your deserting of Christ. It doesn't say here whether or not they came back and followed the Lord. There have been times where brothers and sisters have deserted Christ and they've come back. It doesn't say here. During the time of this letter, they haven't come back to the Lord, but there's hope. There is no sin that's greater than Christ's death and resurrection on the cross. So if you're not a Christian this morning, God is inviting you to turn from your sins and trust in Jesus. To trust that He, His sacrifice is greater than all your sins. Do that now. Turn from your sins and turn to Jesus. Like a father waiting for his son, he's waiting for you to return. So that's a negative illustration. We need to guard the gospel by embracing his chains instead of deserting him and deserting his people. And then we're going to think about the second point here now which is we need to guard the gospel by refreshing each other. In verse 16, May the Lord grant mercy to the household of Anisiphorus, because he often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chains. On the contrary, when he was in Rome, he diligently searched for me and found me, May the Lord grant that he may obtain mercy from him on that day. You know very well how much he ministered at Ephesus. So here's the positive illustration that Paul gives. We need to guard the good deposit by embracing his chains and now by refreshing each other. Paul here speaks about um, this man named Anisiphorus. And he has a prayer request. The prayer request is that the Lord would grant him mercy. Why? Because unlike Phagellus and Hermogenes, Anifrasis refreshed Paul and was not ashamed of Paul's chains. Instead, 
when Onephrasus went to Rome, he searched for Paul. Now, at this point, Paul is in jail. And they didn't have the legal system we have now, and there isn't informational systems where you can just um, talk to one person and they look up the system. Okay, where's Paul at? Okay, Paul's at this jail. I mean, I was reading Charles Spurgeon about how for Anifrasis to find Paul, he needed to go to every one of the jails and talk to every one of the guards, not every one of the guards, but talk to the guards to see if they have this guy named Paul. That's what he had to do. It's not like you go to one jail, hey, can you look in your system, where's Paul? No, he had to diligently search for Paul. And he found Paul. And not only did he find Paul, but at the last verse there, he ministered to Paul. And he ministered to those at Ephesus. I just want to take a moment and thank, I've already done this this week, but just thank the church family for being such a refreshment to my soul. As I've been attempting to guard the gospel and the good deposit Christ has given me, Y'all have been a refreshment to my soul, just as Anifrasis has been a refreshment to Paul's soul. Don't we need that? Brothers and sisters, your presence, your singing to one another, singing to me, your listening to messages preached with such concentration and focus has encouraged and helped me move forward in the faith. And I'm sure there are members and people in your life who have refreshed your soul in the midst of the difficult journey of following Christ and guarding the good deposit. One of the ways I've applied this text in my life was by thanking those people, by encouraging them to continue doing that. Um, One of the specific groups of people that have been Refreshing to my soul this week has been the high schoolers. I mean, if you're a high schooler or if you're a middle schooler, if you're in the student ministry, I just want to thank you for refreshing my soul by growing in the Lord. Um, yeah, I had a conversation this Saturday with um, one of the sisters who are, is now professing to be a Christian. And it was just a blessing in my soul to see the way she encourages her mom to come to the gatherings. She encourages her mom to to come the evening and morning and and how she wants to come to the gatherings. And if you're in high school, I just want to let you know that that encourages people. Share that with others. Share the way that God is growing you to others. Tell your takeaways to others. I know it's, it's hard and embarrassing and it's weird doing that. But know that when you do that, you're refreshing our souls. And that it's a blessing to us. So please, please do that more. So the second way to guard the gospel is by continuing to refresh one another in the Lord. We see here that the the way that Anephrasis refreshes Paul is by seeking him out and being present with him. He diligently searched for me and he found me. There's a refreshing that happens in our presence with one another because we bear the image of God. 
Because when I'm discouraged, when we're discouraged and down in our souls and, and we feel like our souls are parched, just your mere presence brings God into our minds. Because you image God. You are an image of God and you reflect God. So brothers and sisters, go to your brothers and sisters. Go to one another. Be present with one another. I've noticed that in, when I'm in conflict with somebody, when I'm feeling tension between me and another member, when I, when I just go to them and talk to them or sit with them, all that tension seems to fade. I think that's the power of presence. And not only was he present, but in verse 18, we see that he ministered to Paul and to those in Ephesus. He spoke God's words to them. He reminded them of Christ. He reminded them of the good deposit as they continued to guard the good deposit together. I want to go back a little bit. And talk about the need for guarding the good deposit. And the need to pass on the good deposit. Um, next week is missions week and I can't stop but read this text in light of that. Thinking about how there are those in this world today who have no access to the gospel. Who will live, they will grow up. They'll have kids, they'll work, they'll die. Their kids will grow up, work have their own kids and die, and all of them have never heard the gospel. And that all of them would go to hell. And in the face of guarding the good deposit and passing on the, the pattern of sound teaching that you have heard from Paul and from those in your lives, I just want you to think about that in light of the unengaged and unreached people groups of this world. Let me tell you a story about the, the good deposit that's been put in me. Um, some of you guys know that I was mentored by a man named Patrick in high school. Um, Patrick was one of the most pivotal people in putting the good deposit in me and sharing the gospel and reminding me of the gospel daily and regularly. And I'm sure you have mentors and people like that throughout your life who have guarded the gospel and imparted the good deposit to you I don't know if you knew this next half, but Patrick was discipled by some of the members of this church. That good deposit that Patrick passed on to me was passed on by members like Danny. And Marcelino and June Hernares. They passed on the good deposit to Patrick and Patrick passed it on to me. And did you know in 2010, around that time, Patrick, well, Danny, Yak, not Yak, sorry, Danny, Marcelino, and June, did you know that they were pastored by PJ? 
PJ was pastoring these guys and he, he was imparting the good deposit in their lives. And they were imparting the good deposit to Patrick. And Patrick was imparting the good deposit to me. And others, like Ryan Wong, like some other people you don't know. I was, I was blessed thinking about that this week. Thinking about how we don't know the effects of us imparting the good deposit to one another. We just don't, we don't see it all. And yet God is doing so much. So much more than we can imagine by us doing simple, faithful things. By us regularly reminding one another of the gospel. By us encouraging and spurring each other on as we try to guard the good deposit. God is just doing so much. And on this side of heaven, we might never know. And I think about, I mean, PJ talks about the story about how the good deposit was put in him by one of the pastor's sisters as he was being rowdy. And I, I just don't think that she was thinking about the, the fruitfulness that would come from PJ's ministry and the good deposit that was put in him. Brothers and sisters, be encouraged by that. Be encouraged that in your imparting of the gospel, in your guarding the gospel, in your holding on to the gospel, there is far more fruit than you realize. So keep going. Keep guarding. Keep holding on. Now I intentionally skipped these two parts and I, I want to go back to it. I wanted you to feel the force of guarding and protecting and holding on. And I want you to realize that you're going to fail in this. That we're going to fail in this. I failed in this. And I want you to realize that there's times when you feel in your soul like you can't move forward anymore. If that's you this morning, God has encouraging words for you. Let's read verse 13 and 14 again. Hold on to the pattern of sound teaching that you have heard from me and the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Hold on how? In the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Guard the good deposit. How? Through the Holy Spirit that lives in us. What a blessed reality that is. That in the midst of our toiling, in the midst of us trying to hold on to the gospel and protect the gospel and impart the gospel, the Holy Spirit does that through us. That the Holy Spirit is in us and he empowers us and directs us. And in the moments where we don't know what to pray, in the moments where we're feeling like our grip on Christ is loosening, where we feel like we just can't move forward, the Holy Spirit is in us and empowering us. God himself dwells in us. And gives us the strength to keep going. And not only does God dwell in us, but we dwell in Christ, in His love, in His faith. He promised that His burden is light. And you look at this text and you're like, how is that light? 
You want me to guard the gospel and impart the gospel to all nations? And Christ says, my burden is light. It's true. I mean, this is one of the blessed dichotomies and tensions of the Bible. Who holds on? Do we hold on? Or does Jesus hold on as we're in Jesus and the Holy Spirit hold on because we're doing it through the Holy Spirit who's in us? Who's holding on? We're, we're both holding on. We're holding on in the power of the God that's within us. But this is when we think about how when we fail to hold on, we can remember the prayer requests of Paul. I'll conclude with this. Verse 16 and verse 17, verse 16 and verse 18 repeat the same phrase. That's because Paul thinks it's important. May the Lord grant mercy. May the Lord grant that he may obtain mercy. May the Lord grant mercy. Brothers and sisters, we're going to fail. We're going to fail in our attempt to guard the gospel. And yet the Lord grants mercy. Because there is one man who didn't receive mercy. Christ in the Garden of Gethsemane asked the Lord three times, would you take this cup away from me? The cup of wrath that we deserved for all our failures. Christ asked that that would be taken away. And the Father said no. God Christ asked for mercy. And God said no. And he went on the cross and took the full judgment of God. No mercy. So that we can enjoy mercy. May the Lord grant that he may obtain mercy from him on that day. This fight to guard the gospel, it has an end date. Us striving and holding on to the gospel, clinging to the gospel, holding fast to the the gospel, the pattern of sound teaching, the good deposit, that has an end date. This striving will cease when Christ returns. On that day, we'll see him as he is. And sin will be no more. No one will desert Christ as he'll see the worth and value of Christ as he is. And until that day, brothers and sisters, let's keep guarding the good deposit. Let's pray. Father, in the midst of our failures, in the midst of the the difficulties and tragedies of this world, 
in the midst of persecution for righteousness sake and the persecution to come help us to guard the good deposit help us to refresh one another in the Lord help us to embrace the suffering and chains that may come Lord we need you now in Jesus' name. Amen. It's the normal pattern of our church to share takeaways with one another. I'm sure if you're a guest this morning, that's a little awkward. If you're an introvert, that's horrendous feeling. I get it. Um, what we do is we take three minutes and we just turn to a neighbor around us and we share about what God has pressed on your heart in light of his word. Um, so we're going to do that now. If you're a guest here, feel no obligation to share. It's okay. You could just listen in on a conversation. Members, if you can, look around, make sure someone has someone to share with. <laughs>